A couple of weeks ago, uh, I preached a message called uh, Jesus versus Religion, Jesus being greater than religion. And today I want to preach kind of a part two to that message. And I think it's going to help some people today. And I understand that that maybe not every single person in the room today was here uh, a few weeks ago when I preached part one. So we're going to quickly summarize and recap part one before we jump into part two. Is that cool? Well, if it's not, that doesn't really matter because I have the microphone. (laughs) So we talked about uh, a few weeks ago that religion in itself is a system, whereas relationship is a state of being connected. We talked about the fact that Jesus did not die on a cross to create a system. He died on the cross to start a relationship. He died on the cross to start a relationship with billions of people. And at the same time, he died on the cross to start a relationship with just the one, just you. If it was just you and Jesus, he still would have hung on the cross just for you. That's a crazy thought, isn't it? Let that one settle in for a minute. We learned that religion majors on minor things. And that over the years, religion has been obsessed with the wrong things. The right coloured robe, the right placement of the candles, the right direction to stand when you pray. And the tragedy of majoring on minors is that while you're majoring on the unimportant things, you'll never address what actually is important. Religion always majors on minors. We learnt that religion will make us go through the motions without the meaning behind them. You and I can go through our entire lives doing Christian things, going to church, singing four songs, praying, doing all these Christian things, going through the motions. And if we're not careful, we can go through the motions and forget the meaning behind them. Religion will have you and I going through motions without knowing the reason behind it. We discover that religion defines you and I by what we do. Whereas relationship with Jesus defines you and I by who we are. And we discovered that you and I, we can't serve our way to Jesus, but rather we surrender our way to Jesus. And the fact that you and I are a son or a daughter of God makes us valuable. Whereas religion says what you do will determine your value. How good you are or how bad you are determines your value to God. But relationship says, no, no, you are already valuable. You are valuable before you were even born. When I thought I want one of those, when I thought I want a Frankie Martinez, that's when he became valuable in God's eyes. Not when Frankie Martinez did a whole bunch of good things, although he does a lot of good things too. Somebody say amen, including looking after our youth ministry. Yay. All the parents say amen. Someone buy that man a latte. Um, We talked about how religion complicates Whereas relationship with Jesus is rather simple. It's rather simple. But religion likes to make things complicated because if it's complicated, it can only be applicable to a a few elite, 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 elite clergymen. Oh, you wouldn't understand what it's like to be in the deep end of the pool, backstroking away. Religion focuses on making things so complicated that even the ones who are in the deep end don't quite understand it. Whereas, whereas relationship, not that it's shallow, but it's simple. Relationship with Jesus is simple. So I think we'd all agree that uh, religion is a system and relationship is a state of being connected with Jesus. So the title of my message, if you're taking notes, 
And you know that that's part of the way to get into heaven. I'm kidding, it's a religious thing. It's a, even that's religious. Uh, but you should take notes with a notepad. I'm actually old school. I like the, note, I like the notepad. Yeah, uh, it's crazy, isn't it? What a crazy world. Uh, the title of my message is uh, Jesus vs. Religion Part 2. Yeah, let's pray and then let's get into this for the next uh, two hours we've got together. God, I thank you for everybody here this afternoon at South. God, I thank you. You're going to bless this time for us together. That this series that we're finishing today, God, uh, you've saved the best to last. And God, I thank you that even in this service over the next few moments we have together, that God, you're going to set some people free of some religious stuff. And that even today, there are some people sitting in here and they're far from you. But in just a moment, they're going to, they're going to reconnect with you and they're going to find themselves back into relationship with you. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Now, don't go quiet on me today. Don't go quiet. Just remember, I have ADD. I get distracted by things, and so I like to have an interactive service. I like. I think it's one of our one of our things at C3 here is that we we all we all just participate. This is like a, a conversation, not a lecture. If I feel like I'm doing a lecture, I'm going to start getting bored. And if I'm bored and I'm preaching, then I can't even imagine how painful it would be for you as the listener. So let's all just think: What would Travis do? today and he would do that. He would shout down. So let's have some fun in church. Let's have some fun. My first point, I have three points as usual. My first point is this. Religion focuses on what you can and cannot do, whereas relationship changes what you want to do. Religion focuses on what you can and cannot do, but relationship with Jesus will change what you actually want to do. A pastor once said this, a lot of people think that Christianity is you doing all the righteous things you hate and avoiding all the wicked things you love in order to go to heaven. Isn't that crazy? But isn't that so true for so many people? No, that's a lost man in religion. A Christian is a person whose heart has been changed. They have new affections. The result of a religious life quite often is a restricted, frustrated person that is so busy focusing on the things they cannot have and cannot do that they're neglecting the very thing they actually could have, which is a relationship with Jesus. So five years ago, you don't have to clap for this, okay? But five years ago, um, for those of you that don't know me, I did lose some weight. I lost like 95 pounds. So every, guys, stop it. Stop it. It always gets a clap, but it's, it makes me feel uncomfortable. But it, anyway, it's true. It's 95 pounds, quite a lot. It's about the weight of an Oompa Loompa um, from the original Willy Wonka. They were slightly bigger than the newer ones and the newer one, the Johnny Depp one, which I didn't like as much. But anyway, so uh, I lost a fair bit of weight. And so I kind of, I, I'm somewhat qualified to speak into this topic of how to lose weight. So do you want to know the secret today to losing weight? My gosh, you guys are getting this for free. This is, this, is, this is straight off the press. This is, this is deep, crazy stuff. So it's not hot yoga. It's not hot yoga. It's not. Christian Franco would disagree. He loves the hot yoga. It's not Zumba. It's not Tai Bo. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. It's not uh, the 1 a.m. infomercial with the Ab Crunch 5000. You know what I'm talking about, ab cruncher, 5,000. Burn 1,000 calories in 10 minutes. You can't do that. And then the guy who's using the ab crunch 5,000 doesn't need it. 
He doesn't need the Ab Crunch 5000. No, no, his hairless, perfectly tanned, glistening body with no fat does not need the Ab Crunch 5000. He's done. Take a break. It's not the elliptical machine. The elliptical is that, is that kind of machine that you see people doing, and I have dabbled in it from time to time. No, no, I found that the, the ultimate secret to lose weight is to fill your stomach with the right foods. Then there's not really any room left for the wrong foods. I know it's rocket science, isn't it? Just blew someone's mind right there. So you, you, the right, you write it down. When I uh, go to a party, and I like to go to parties, I like to party. I like, I like to party. It's a song. <laughs> I do like to party, but I have this thing. I have this, uh, I'd say it's a gift and a curse at the same time, where I have this crazy ability to eat 4,000 calories. It's just insane. Like, I'm a, I, I, people get shocked, like, they're, wow, okay. Like, they can see, like, I have, I have a, a gift, a gift, a blessing, and a curse that I can eat four or 5,000 calories at once. And so, if I'm going to a party or a wedding uh, and I'm not thinking ahead, I will get there hungry and I will, it was just, it's game over. It's bad news. It's bad, bad news. Then the next day, I'm at, I'm at the gym for like six hours on the elliptical, which is also terrible. But what a, a, sim- a simple way to avoid that is simply before going to the party. If I go ahead and eat, gosh, like 500 to 600 healthy filling calories when I get to the party, I don't necessarily have the appetite for the 4,000 bad, binge, crazy eating calories. You see, when you and I are in relationship with Jesus, our soul is filled with the right things. And so our appetite is actually lessened for the wrong things. It's actually less about the avoidance of bad and it's more about the embracing of what is good. But we got, we got hangry religious people walking around life, giving Christians a bad name because they're so angry about all the sins they wanna commit, but they can't. And they're going crazy and they're angry and they're, and they're, they're hangry and they're stomping around doing Christian religious things. And, and of course they're, they're angry because they're focused on what they can't have, not focused on what they do have. If they were just focused on the relationship with Jesus, they wouldn't be so obsessed with what religion has seemingly taken away from them. And so, of course, the byproduct of of that kind of life is a person that is extremely judgmental and self-hatred toward, will have self-hatred towards themselves. And of course, the byproduct of that we all know is is someone who then projects that self-hatred and judgment onto other people. And so, of course, Christians get a a bad reputation as being hypocrites and being, being judgmental people because you'll always project onto other people what you actually project onto yourself. And when you look in the mirror and you're frustrated at the life that you are in, you will then judge and and push that frustration onto other people. That's why the Bible says, love others as you love yourself. So in order for us to love ourselves, we actually have to love ourselves. Okay, cool, I helped somebody, amen. You know, and the thing is this, you know, a a life that is, is founded in religion, will always be a life filled with condemnation and guilt 
And the other way that you and I can live is by living in relationship with Jesus. Where we're not living on condemnation, but rather by a healthy conviction from the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I know for me, the closer I'm walking with Jesus Christ, the closer the Holy Spirit is to me, the more I can hear that healthy conviction in my ear. And I would rather have a healthy conviction from the Holy Spirit before I do something stupid than the condemnation and the guilt afterwards. Amen, someone say amen. So my first point was that religion focuses on what you can and cannot, but relationship changes what you actually want to do. My second point is this, and most of my message is actually this second point here. Religious gatherings are man-created while the church is God-created. The church is God's idea. God thought of the church. God said in the Bible here in Hebrews 10, verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encouraging one another. God is into church. He is into the gathering of us here every Sunday. In Matthew 18, verse 20, Jesus says, for where two or three gather in my name, if you're an underliner and you love to underline, you may wanna underline in my name. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There are many different reasons why you and I could gather together. We could gather together this afternoon to watch Toy Story 4, which was a good film. Not as good as number one, but better than two and three. <laughs> Tonight after the 5 p.m., we could, we could gather around a table at Denny's. And if you think you're too good for Denny's, that's pride. <laughs> that's pride. And let me call you out of that. Don't pretend like you've never had a lumberjack slam and you know you're gonna have another one. Probably tonight after I've kind of got you started thinking about it. There's a lot of different common causes that we could gather for. Jesus says, for where two or three gather in my name, not in the name of religion, in the name of Jesus. Where two or three gather, not just to mark off a religious box, not just so you can say, I went to church this week, not just so you can feel like I'm a good person. No, no, when two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. If Jesus is willing to show up when two or three are gathered in His name, could you imagine how He feels when two or three hundred are gathered in His name? Can you imagine how He feels when two or three thousand gather at Presence Conference in His name? We don't gather in the name of religion. We gather in the name of Jesus. You know, one thing that I've, I've, I've discovered is that a church that gathers around the name of religion is quite often, unfortunately, a dead church. You can walk in and feel the religion, even in the foyer. People look dead. They may be alive, but they look dead. They look angry. They look judgmental. They're not filled with the life that Jesus brings them. We don't gather around religion. We gather because of Jesus. The church is not a man-made organisation. It's a God-breathed 
organisation. When God thought about the church, He didn't just think about it because we need something to do on a Sunday. He has so much more of a plan than that. Come on, the church is, is, is the answer to the world, the answer to lost people. The church is the place where, where, where lost people can come in and they can be found. They, they can be lost, walking into all kinds, of, all kinds of disarray and all kinds of situations, but they can come in here and they can be found. They can find themselves in relationship with Jesus. And then once they're found, they can find themselves set free, set free of insecurity, set free of shame, set free of guilt, set free of fear. Come on, we're a church that wants to set people free, set free of religion. And once you get set free, you can, you can be discipled. You can start being developed in church by your connect group leader. You can start being developed on a volunteer team. You can start being discipled into the person that God's called you to be. And then you can be empowered to go out there and come on and live the greatest life that God has for you. Come on, God has called you and I to live an incredible, empowering life. You know, the opposite of what empowerment is, is control. Religion wants to control people. But empowerment, we wanna, we wanna enable people to go out there and do something great for God. We wanna empower and enable our high schoolers to do something incredible for God in their high school. We wanna empower and enable our business people to go out there and not just have a business, not just have a job, but to go out there and, and, and be a light in a dark place. We wanna empower people. I love the church because the church is the one place in the world where somebody could walk in straight from the set of a Jerry Springer episode, a really bad one, one that has more beeps than actual words. <laughs> the most dysfunctional person could walk into a church and plant themselves in the house of God, not in religion, but in a house that gathers around the name of Jesus and I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it time and time again. Weeks and months go by and I've seen lives transformed and changed. We've got stories of people sitting on the second row in the back row over here, over there, of people who have come into our church and they are completely jacked up in their world. They are addicted to stuff. They've got all kinds of situations going on, but because they allow themselves to plant themselves in a house of transformation, not a house of religion, but a house that gathers around the name of Jesus, their lives flourish as a result of it. Someone say amen. You know, a religious church is really only for found people, people who have it all together. I don't have it all together and I'm cool with that. I'm doing what I can, I'm doing my best, but I don't claim to ever have it all together. In fact, the only people that aren't allowed at C3 are perfect people. You ever meet a perfect person before? Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even go there. You know, God was smart when He made the church. He was very smart. There are several fundamental human needs that are met by a life-giving church. The first one is this, the need to be known. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Therefore, I will make a helper for him. Doesn't matter who you are or your personality type, your Enneagram number, whatever, your essential oil preference, I don't care. Doesn't matter who you are, we all have that same need, the need to be known. Even the most introverted person 
still has the need to be known. God wired us not to do life alone. And in fact, in a couple of weeks' time, we're launching our next semester of Connect Groups, our small groups. That's right. And many of you are going to have a chance over the next two Sundays to get into a Connect Group. And I want to encourage you to do that because you're not supposed to do life alone. Meanwhile, Instagram has created a world where, where we elevate being liked, where, where we've got, especially younger people who've grown up in this, there's, there's such an emphasis on being liked, but there's a massive difference between being liked and being known. Meanwhile, loneliness is an epidemic, but God's wired us for community. God's wired you and I for community, to be part of something bigger than just ourselves. That's why young people typically join gangs. I'm not gang affiliated, just to address that. I know some of you are probably wondering, probably all the, I don't know, I don't really look very gangster. I try to be, I'm kidding. It's the, yeah, I just got, I got, the, I got the haircut, so. But, but the reason why young people would join a gang is because they're, they're actually looking for a community. They're looking, they have a need to be known. What I love about our church is that our church is a place where anyone can walk in of any age, socioeconomic status, gender, colour, whatever, and they can find community in our church. I love that, that is our church. I love that, that is our church. We are not just for young people. We are not just for older people. We are for all people. We are a multi-generational, multicultural, multifaceted church that reaches all kinds of amazing people. You could be sitting next to a billionaire and a broke person at the same time. And I'm actually totally cool with that. I love that's our church. That's the kind of church that God created. And the reason why this is so important is because a religious church will always become inclusive. Exclusive. That was a test, you passed. A religious church will always become exclusive where, where, where it will, the, the circles will close and the groups will form and there'll be no, no room for anybody else in our exclusive little thing. But I'm telling you, God's plan for His church is that we have a community of people that need to be known. And as we kick religion out the door and we know that we are, we are a church that gathers around the name of Jesus, we will be that inclusive church the need to be known, the need to be needed. You need to be needed. The first thing God gave Adam was a job, J-O-B, to tend and keep the garden. God could have given Adam an artificial garden. I have fake grass and some people judge me for that. That's fine, guess who's not mowing on Saturday morning? Me. Yeah, that's right. That's right, when you're, when you're mowing, I'm hitting, I'm hitting snooze an extra time. I walk out, my grass is always the same, it's perfect. I lay on, I do an angel, it burns me, I get up, I leave. I would have fake trees, fake hedges, fake everything if I could. I'm not really into gardening. But God could have given Adam a completely artificial garden, plastic garden, and said, Adam, just, just enjoy the plastic garden. Just enjoy it. Maybe dust it every couple of years. But God didn't give him that. God gave him a garden to tend and keep. Because God knows that inside of each and every one of us, 
is the desire and the need for activity and work and not to be idle. The need to be needed, the need to actually put our hands to the plow and do stuff. There's a myth out there, and this is just my opinion, so it's okay, you can you have to take it. But I kind of am confused about this idea that, you know, if you're successful, you can retire at the age of 30 and then sit on a beach for the rest of your life and do nothing. I think it's kind of a myth. I think it's a bit of a lie. In fact, I hear more about people that try that and a couple of years later, they go, they go crazy and they end up going back to work because you and I actually aren't wired to sit around for our entire life. Now, obviously, retire at some point. I'm not saying, you know, work until you literally die. I'm saying, I'm saying you and I are created to work. We're created for purpose. We're created to be needed and to actually have a function and a thing in our world that we are doing that is exciting to us. So disclaimer, if you're 18 or 19, I'm sorry. You may be offended by what I'm about to say. <laughs> Parents, you're gonna love it. So one thing I find interesting is 18 or 19 year olds that have finished school and, and, they, and they are tired and they work part-time and they live at home rent-free, no children to worry about. Like the only bill they've got is their cell phone bill and some of their parents are even paying them for them, that for them these days. Like there's just zero, but they're, but they're tired. <laughs> You're tired, okay. When you're married and you have several children and you have real, like an actual 40 hour plus a week job, then you can maybe say you're tired. <laughs> but here's the thing, you know why they're tired? Because they're living under the purpose that God has for them. Of course they're tired, of course you are. Because it's not rest that, that, that will, it, it's the lack of purpose. The lack of the need to be needed. I'm actually expected to be somewhere and do something and achieve something. That God's wired us for that. That's actually a good thing for you and I. You know, when we built this, this church building a couple of years ago, it was a really busy season for, for me. I was working a lot, um, running, you know, South Campus with Emma. And we were, we were, I was like very involved in the building process of this building. And I was doing some other things as well on the side. And I was probably working like 65 or 70 hours a week. I don't say that to brag. I don't think you, that you should maybe even work that many hours a week. I don't know. It's up to you. You make your own choices. But, but people would say to me, oh my gosh, are you okay? Like I'm about to break down. Like, oh, are you okay? You must be so tired. You must be so tired. You have... Have another burrito. Because <laughs> I was having the leaders pretty much every day at that time. <laughs> you must be tired. But the truth is, I was less tired in that season than even my season of being an 18 or 19 year old with a weird part-time job selling hot tubs. It's a long story. <laughs> Not really having a direction for my life not really busy at all, not really a whole lot of direction, just a whole lot of wasting of time. I was actually much more tired when I was the 18 or 19 year old kid with less purpose and direction than when I was here working 70 hours a week, getting to build this incredible building, getting to build this amazing church, getting to pastor people and lead people and preach and do all these amazing things. Because we're, we're actually wired for work, we're actually wired for that. There's a need for each and every one of us to be needed 
That's why volunteering at church is so important. It's so important. And religion will always say, well, you know, the church, the church wants to use you. That's not true. The church wants to build you. We don't want to use you. We want to build you. Because we know that inside of you, there is a need to actually be used, but not to be used in a bad way, but to be used in a good way. That's a wiring from God that we all need to be needed. We all wanna make a difference in somebody else's life. That's a need that you and I will, will have in our lives. We all need to be known, we all need to be needed. And the worship team, you guys can come. We all have a need for contribution, to contribute. I think we'd all agree that the world values consumerism. Consume, 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 get, 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 me, me, me. That's, that's kind of the culture of our world today. But I think on the other side of a very overly consumeristic life is, it, is quite often a very empty life. I can't help but notice from my own experiences with people, working with people, that sometimes the greatest consumers of life are quite often the most empty of people. Because God made you and I not just to consume, but also to contribute. That's why the church is so powerful. It's a place where you and I can be needed and known, a place that you and I can contribute. We walk in and we don't just mark off a religious box and walk out, but a place where we can come and we can, I can be a shareholder in this place. Not literally, but you get this point. We don't have shares, sorry. We're a not-profit. But you can contribute. When you, when you and I tithe, when we give to God, when we contribute that way, we open the windows of heaven over our life. And quite often, it, it's, it's, we, we often notice at most the most uh, tangible blessings that happen. Like it's pretty hard to not notice if someone gives you a, a miracle car. Like someone once gave Emma and I a car. So that's, that's a pretty awesome story. And um, that's, that was an amazing experience. That was a tangible blessing that we literally drove in. So that's, that's tangible. But, but what, if, what if some of the greatest blessings that we receive from opening the windows of heaven aren't so much tangible? What if some of the greatest blessings that we receive from opening the windows of heaven aren't even so materialistic? What if one of the greatest gifts that you and I receive as a result of tithing and opening the windows of heaven over our life is a life that is not just consumer driven, but also contributor driven? That when you and I, come on there, yeah, when you and I tithe, we know, man, I, I'm not just here to consume, I'm here to help not just open the windows of heaven over my life, but open the doors of church for somebody else to come in. What I love about tithing is that when people put their hand up and say, I wanna follow Jesus, I had something to do with that. You could be sitting in the back row today and you may think, oh, it has nothing to do with me. It has a lot more to do with you than what you think because you're a contributor. You and I all contribute together to see a church established. And that's a human need that you and I have to have. I've found that some of the happiest people on this planet are often the most generous people, the ones that contribute the most. So 
We're almost done here. My last point is this. Religion wants to change parts of your life, but Jesus comes to give you and I a whole new life. Religion wants to take what you already have, put it in a box, control it, improve part of it, take away this, whatever. But Jesus is not interested in just improving part of your life. He wants to give you an entire new life. He wants to give you a whole, it's not a whole new chapter of your life. It's a whole new book in your life. No matter how far you are from God, even today, I believe that there are people who are far from God today. And you know a lot about religion, but you don't know much about relationship with Jesus. If we, if we water down who Jesus is, if we water Him down to just being a, a concept or, or a cool guy that we could learn a couple of things from, if we, if we say that, oh, Jesus, oh, yeah, he's, a, he's a really great self-help guru. Essentially, we, we take Him down from the cross. We put His face on a book and we put that book in the self-help section of Barnes and Nobles. And that significantly underplays and underestimates the power of what it is to be saved and the power of Jesus Christ and what He did for you and I on that cross 2,000 years ago. He died not to start a religion. He died to start a relationship, a relationship with each and every one of us. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.